The title of the message is Sharing Our Hope. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now go ahead and be turned into Romans chapter 8. And I want you to be thinking, what is that hope? You know, if you're going to share your hope with somebody and you're going to Give them a reason for the hope. You need to be able to know what the hope is. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 38. And I imagine there may be one or two here that know this scripture probably by heart. And I don't include myself in that group. I've heard it many times, but I had not taken the time to memorize it. But I'm going to challenge you today to, to learn it and know it. Because it's very important. This answers the question that I just posed to you. What is your hope? Start in verse 38. It says, For I am persuaded. How many of y'all are persuaded? Let's just start right there. Are you persuaded? I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you again now, are you persuaded? Because see, that's your hope. That's the only hope we have, is knowing that when we come to Jesus and ask Him to to save us, to forgive us of our sins, that He holds us in His hand. The Word says in another place that nobody can pluck us out of His hand. The Word tells us that once we're His, we belong to Him. That's eternal security. That that ought to be something that you hold in your heart and just know, oh man, I'm good. There ain't nothing this world can do to me to pull me out of His grace and His mercy other than myself. As long as I keep myself out of the mix, I am eternally His. That's hope. Otherwise, why are you serving God? Why do you call yourself a Christian if you don't have this hope I just read to you? See, we need to know that. We need to know what our hope is. I want you all to think back to a time when you first asked Jesus to come into your heart. I imagine probably most everybody here today could call themselves a Christian, could call themselves a child of God. Because at some point in your life, you decided, because of the Holy Spirit convicting you and tugging at your heart, that you needed to ask Jesus to come in and to save you from yourself, save you from that sinful nature, so that when you die and you leave this world, you're going to go be with Him. 
ain't that what I just read you? Think back to that time. I guarantee you when you got up and you knew something had happened, you had hope. You had hope you didn't have the few minutes beforehand. Because all of you knew, listen, I remember when I got saved. I can't tell you what day it was. I can't tell you how old I was even. I can't tell you what time of day it was, but I know this. I know there was a time when I was gripping that bench and I finally let go and I said, I'm going to go down to the front of the church and I'm going to ask Jesus to come into my heart. And I remember before that happened, thinking to myself, what am I going to do if I die? I'm going to hell. You see, I didn't have any hope. But when I went down there and and said, God, forgive me. Come into my heart. I believe Jesus was the Son of God. And I believe He came to die for my sins. And I accept that. When I did, all of a sudden, something new was born in me. The Word of God says that all the old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You see, there was a new hope put within me. And why am I telling y'all this? Y'all know it. But see, I want to remind you. I want you to think back. Because sometimes we get so wrapped up in everything else, yeah, we call ourselves a Christian, but we forget what it really, truly meant to be saved. You see, that word gets glossed over a lot, and you think of it more of a, as a state than an action. And I want you all to understand, being saved is not just a state that you're in currently. There was an action involved. You were saved. You understand that? I want you all to remember that time when you were saved. When you were pulled out of the depths of hell. Basically, yeah, you wasn't there yet, but that's where you were going. Now why do I want to remind you of these things? Because see, there's this thing called the Great Commission. And if you don't remember what it was like when you got saved, you don't remember the state you were in before you had hope, how in the world are you going to fulfill the Great Commission? What's the Great Commission? Somebody tell me real quick. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why is that important? So others can be saved, right? So we can pull more out of the fire. Bring them into the kingdom of God. What's the Word tell us? It's not God's will that any should perish. Right? So in order to be effective at doing that, don't you kind of have to remember what it was like before you were saved? Don't you have to kind of have a, a desire to see other people pulled out of the fire and to have hope put in them? Don't you have to remember and hang on? See, I know one thing about this. There are many soldiers, and I, I'm not bringing this up because this is July 4th weekend. What I want you to remember, though, is there's a whole lot of soldiers that have died for this country. And they don't go over there just willy-nilly thinking, well, it's my turn. They go over there, and I'm going to guarantee you, you talk to any soldier today, a little 18-year-old boy, basically. 
And you tell me if those that didn't go enlist in the time of warfare don't have a heart for their country. You see, they understand what it means to be free. They understand the price that was paid and they're willing to go pay it themselves. Now you see, you equate, you can equate that to this great commission. Because a, a true person that understands what it meant to be in bondage understands what it meant to not have any hope and all of a sudden hope be thrust upon them. They're willing to go share it with somebody else. Somebody that truly remembers the state they were in is willing above all other things to not see somebody else die. Not see somebody else perish because they have hope in them. See, Peter told us right there, he said, be ready always. Let's just change that to another word that we really understand today. Any time. Be ready any time to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. See, some of y'all don't remember what hope was until you hear me tell them, telling you today. You didn't think about it. It hadn't crossed your mind in months, maybe years. But all of a sudden, somebody spoke up and said, Remember what hope was when you received Jesus. And little things start moving in your brain. You start trying to get a little... Maybe at first it's hard to remember. But listen, I'm going to tell you all before the day is over, you're going to remember. Before the day is over, God is going to speak to you and you're going to say, Man, I sure hope I'll, I can do what God wants me to do. Because see, listen, there, the reason why you're sitting here today, the reason why you can call yourself a Christian is because there was somebody else that understood about hope. Because there was somebody else that was willing to do what God called them to do and to submit to His authority and to, and to do what He had commissioned us to do and go into the world and preach the gospel. Now listen, y'all. I'm talking to you today because somebody <laughs> took the time to share with me. I'm speaking to you standing up here in front of you because somebody took the time to explain to me what it meant to have hope. Did they put it in the same words I am today? No. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. See, that hope is the only thing that separates us from the world. Did y'all hear what I said? That hope is the only thing that makes me any different. Yeah, I'm saved, I'm covered with the blood, but you know why? Because I believe that Jesus came and died for me. Because I'm hanging on to that hope. What's faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Y'all think hope ain't important? It's the basis of faith. It's the basis of faith. You, you say, well, I have faith in Jesus Christ. That's how I was saved. You're right. But it's because it's based on hope. Because you're hoping for something that's greater than what you already have. You're hoping for a state of being that's beyond anything this world has to offer. You're hoping for eternal security. Knowing when you die, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are that lead up to the event, you know where you're going to be the second after. Not any religion in this world will tell you that. In fact, most religions of this world will tell you 
you'll see when you get there. It's all just a guessing game. You just hope you did enough to offset the scales. I'm going to share one more scripture with you. Turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 25. For a certain woman, whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled. For it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it under the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she came to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. Now I want you all to understand something about this scripture. It almost seems kind of like Jesus is insulting this lady. But I want y'all to think of this in a different perspective and think of your own children. Now, how many of you would go home and fix a big, fine meal and then go throw, up, throw it out to the dogs and whatever's left over, give it to your kids? There ain't a one of you here. And if you do, let, I'm going to find out about it and we're going to call the law because it's wrong. It's wrong, ain't it? That's not the way you treat your kids. No, you let your kids eat, and then if there's something left over, you give it to the dogs. And I'm going to tell you all my dogs eat good, because my kids don't eat very well. They kind of pick at it a little here and there, don't they? So what's Jesus saying? Well, you know that the Israelites are God's chosen people. That's who He chose. Now, does that mean that somehow the Gentiles don't, don't get anything? That's not what he said. But who did he give the first pick to? His chosen people. Now, I can't, I can't stand here today and tell you all why God chose the Israelites, as rebellious as they were. But does it really matter? Does it really matter? You see, what Jesus was saying is, look, I'm going to give to them first. And then you can have what's left over. He wasn't telling her no. But I want y'all to look at this lady. And this is where I really want to focus. Look at what this lady said. When Jesus told her that, what did what she say? She said, yes, Lord. She said, I know you're right. But can I at least have the crumbs that fall off the table? You see, she was not telling Jesus, you ought not be that way. She said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, but there's hope within me. You see, she had hope. She understood what it meant to desire something from God. 
I'm going to tell you all right now, there is a whole lot of people sitting here today that do not desire much from God. And I'm going to remind you of something else when you first got saved. You got saved because you needed God. Is that right? You needed God. But how many of y'all sitting here today can honestly say, I need God? I'm going to tell y'all, I need God. But there's been times in my life when I was looking unto myself and my own abilities that I didn't think I needed God. You see, there's a whole lot of things this world can provide me. And when I get wrapped up in those kind of things, that need for God kind of subsides. When I start looking to my employer and people I know, people that may have more than I do, but they're willing to help me out, and I look to my family, and and all of these needs are being met, what in the world do I need God for? What does need have to do with hope? Well, see, if you don't have a need, there's no reason to have hope. That's why I want to remind you about this today. Because, see, there's a whole lot of people a mile and a half down the road that have great need. They may not know it because they're living in the world, but they have great and mighty needs. And I want you all to understand today that if we're going to minister to those people, we've got to remember what it was like to have hope. We've got to remember, you may not have need right now, so therefore you don't have much hope. But I want you to remember, I want you to get on your knees and start praying and say, God, put that need in me again. Put that desire for you in me again. Give me that hope that I used to have. Because you may already be saved and don't have to worry about it. But I want y'all to know today, if you're ever going to help anybody else come into the kingdom of God, you have got to understand what hope is to share hope with them. And if you want to see people come in, you better get a firm grip on what it means to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. When you begin to speak to somebody and they look at you and say, I don't understand a word you're saying and I don't think you do either. You think somebody won't tell you that? You think those people that you're going to have to witness to in the coming days don't know something about the Word? Oh, they do. And they will call you on it. You think you can pull the wool over their eyes? Listen, it don't matter if they're right or not. You have to prove yourself. They don't have to prove anything to you. They can make up whatever kind of argument they want against you. It doesn't matter. Because if you can't prove your point, if you can't back it up with the Word and the anointing, and you've got some hope to show them, you're not going to do them any good. You're not going to be able to impart anything to them because they're going to see you just another failed Christian. Paul told Timothy, Study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What in the world does that mean? Does that mean you know the Bible good? No. It don't mean you know the Bible good. 
You can memorize that thing frontwards and backwards. And if you don't know how to apply it and give the right thing to the right person because you are in tune with the Spirit of God and you have the anointing on you, you ain't going to do anybody any good. Nobody. Because if somebody needs to hear about hope and you're off in left field telling them about something that don't even pertain, they're going to look at you and say, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. The Word talks about them people. It says that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of. What? Are you one of them? Y'all examine yourself now. This is serious business. Do you understand that, that the people, people's lives are in your hands? It's a matter of life and death. This is serious business. Man, you ought to, this really, you ought to take this very seriously. There's people dying left and right. I ain't even going to talk about the celebrities because most of them laid, made their bed, so they're lying in it. But I'm telling y'all right now, it don't matter what state you're in. We was, talked a little bit about Sunday. In Sunday school, Jerry mentioned the lady that was on death row and was saved or whatever and was serving God up till the day they killed her. And y'all ever heard of David Berkowitz? Serial killer back in, I believe, the 70s? Psychotic, just crazy. Demon possessed. He's a child of God. Saved. He's not asking to get out of prison. He's not looking for any kind of special treatment. He knows what he did. He's accepted it. But he's a child of God. You can see it on his face. He's a new creation. Now, if God can take somebody like that that's willing to just walk up and pop somebody right in the head that he don't even know because of the terrible things going on within him, God can take somebody like that and clean them up. Bring them back into the fold. Use them, even. Y'all understand that? He uses him. This man has a ministry. What? Now, why? We don't have an excuse, do we? Here we are, living free. We got everything that we can desire. And if, we, if there's something else we desire, we work a little while till we can get it. We got everything at our fingertips. But see, that's the problem. That's the problem. Because we have everything at our fingertips, there's no need. There's no dependence on God. And because of that, we forget about our hope. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I want y'all to get a firm grip on it today. Grab onto it. I want you to go home thinking, now, what kind of hope did I used to have? Look, y'all, I've been there. I remember um, um, very recently God reminded me of, of, of how I felt at that time and the hope that was put in me. I want to share that with somebody. But I've got to get a firm grip on it. I need to understand that thing inside and out. I need to be ready at any time to give a reason for that hope. I can't do that just by piddling through life. 
do in my everyday thing. It takes a change. It takes that. Look, I had to pray. Listen, y'all may not have to do this, but I did. I had to ask God at one time, probably a year ago or so, and I've been here about a year and a half now. Y'all keep that in perspective. I had to pray and ask God to give me love for other people. Now, ain't that a terrible state to be in as a Christian? You've got to ask God to give you love for other people because you don't have it. Now, I want y'all to apply this to yourself now. Well, if it's good for me, it's good for you. Now, think about this. Do you really care enough about somebody that's lost? Do you... Do you care enough to see somebody saved? Oh, man, we'd all say, oh, yes, yes. Now, what are you willing to do to make it happen? Think about that. That's a tough question. Easy words, but it's a tough question to answer. What are you willing to do to make that happen? How far are you willing to go so that somebody else doesn't perish and go to hell? What are you willing to do? You look at the Bible, you look at the, the disciples that were there, the apostles after Jesus died, you look at what they did, have the, the lengths they were willing to go to. They suffered death themselves, torture, all kinds of things. Why? For the name of Jesus. Was it just for the name of Jesus? No. It was because they were willing to go through whatever means to preach the gospel. See, it wasn't just because somebody said, oh, you were a follower of Jesus. No, that's not it. They were telling them to quit preaching. See, if they would have all just shut up, and they just told their friend, oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. But they didn't really go out and ruffle no feathers. Nobody would have had a problem with them. They'd all live long, full lives. Now ask yourself, Look at yourself. Y'all, I hate having to examine myself. I hate it. Because every time God tells me to examine myself, I find more stuff that i got to get rid of. I find more stuff i got to change. And man, it hurts. It's painful. It's not an easy thing. But I'm going to tell you all right now, those disciples... They said, yeah, we're followers of Jesus. And you know what? He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel because it's not His will that any of them should perish. So we're even going to leave the comfort of our homes and our families and our nation and we're going to go into the Gentile countries. We're going to go into the, the countries, the people that wasn't even on His map at the time. We're going to go into all the world. You see... They had a desire to fulfill what God had commanded them to do. They had a desire to be pleasing to God. They needed God in their life. Because of that, they were willing to go to whatever lengths it took to see that commission fulfilled. Now, how far are you willing to go? What are you willing to do to share your hope with them? It's a whole lot easier to sit there and quietly say, oh yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't really want to advertise it, but I'm a follower of Jesus. It's easy to do that, ain't it? When's the last time that somebody got upset at you 
because you're a Christian. Huh? I would venture to say most of y'all have never had a conflict or confrontation because you're a Christian. I haven't. Man, that, that's sad, ain't it? I have lived 34 years on this earth, and I've never had a serious confrontation with somebody because I'm a Christian. Does that mean I've never told anybody? No, I've told people about God. But have you ever been persecuted or condemned because you're a Christian and had to stand your ground and, and go on and preach Jesus anyway? You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't care. Jesus didn't say preachers go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said everybody go into all the world and preach the gospel. It was a very general statement that covered all of us. 